When you get all of your supplies from Amazon.com, don't forget to write your name on them with a Sharpie to make sure nobody touches your stuff or they'll end up getting one week of anger management. Get the best deal on everything you need and help support Rob Has a Podcast when you start your Amazon shopping with our link, robhaswebsite.com slash Amazon. Coming to you live from the Love Shack outside of Libertarian Rob's wedding. It's Rob has a podcast. And now here's the guy who is ready to have a three-month relationship with you. I'm Rob Sestadino. Yes. Hello and welcome to our very special Utopia podcast. And Kurt Clark uh, cannot be with us. He's off uh, on Rob's honeymoon with Jess. Unfortunately, no, seriously, he is off on uh, business stuff this week, but we have a very special guest to join us. Here he is, one of the uh, all-time greatest Survivor experts. He is the host of the Survivor Historians podcast and also the creator of the Funny 115 and all sorts of uh, other wonderful things. Here is Mr. Mario Lanza. Hello, and thank you for getting my name correct. I'm so excited. I tried to practice it. I don't want to get into a fight where you're uh, pushing me around and we have to go see the judge and I have to do anger management. Well, you know, Rob, because people who keep pushing like this get their ass beat. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Oh, so much to talk about here after a big utopia wedding. Yes, I, you know, it's absolutely perfect because you and I are the perfect people to discuss a wedding. Yes, yes, that's, we're romantics and we're very excited to talk about the wedding of Libertarian Rob, which basically was like 70% of this episode that we just watched. Yeah, there was the mayonnaise trial and then the love shack and then the the wedding. That was about it. A little bit with the beekeeper at the end. (laughs) The beekeeper. A little bit with the beekeeper. Anyway, but we're going to talk about Utopia here and probably uh, a bunch of other non sequiturs that will come up along the way and maybe discuss what is ultimately coming for Utopia as Utopia is going to be on a one-week hiatus. Uh, So Utopia started, it was on every week, it was on twice a week, then it's on once a week, and now we're actually just going to skip a week. And I feel like that's not a great sign that they're like, eh, why don't we just skip this one? Yeah, that's a terrible sign. This, this show is, is, it's in its death spiral, so it might as well enjoy it while it's still here. Okay, so we'll enjoy it while it's still here. And also a hell of a tease at the end of the episode of something that's going to happen, which is going to completely rock Utopia to its core. Wow, that's yeah, something exciting. What could it be? I don't, I don't know. I'm waiting for something exciting to happen. It hasn't happened yet. So could it be, be a new water filter? It could be. It could be. Yeah. Just more Bella antics. Really, pretty much anything she does would be exciting. Well, Mario, before we get into talking about the specific episode, um, you know, Mike Bloom, who is uh, one of the fellow Survivor historians and also a, a good a good friend. He said, you know, you need to talk to Mario about Utopia. He's been following it. And I said, OK, this is the perfect opportunity to get Mario back on the podcast. So what is it that you find so interesting about Utopia? I will tell you now, it was funny uh, just to fill people in. When Rob first contacted me about, about this, he said, I heard you watch Utopia. And I said, I love Utopia. And he said, like, really? Or just ironically love it. And I'm like, is there really a difference? I mean, but I will tell you the thing that I like about Utopia, and this is all joking aside, we're going to say make a lot of fun of the show, I'm sure later. But what I love about the show is that it's different than anything else on TV. And it kind of reminds me of the the glory days, the golden years of reality TV, when you had all these shows that were 
completely different that there was no franchises yet. So you had like Joe Millionaire, you had uh uh what is that? My uh the ex I forget the one with the she marries the fiance. It was horrible. They had all the stuff like oh, Big Brother just started. Joe Joe Millionaire? Joe Millionaire, the other one where she marries the fiance and he's horrible and they have to fool her family. I forget the name of that one. Um, you know, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> I don't but like remember. murder, yeah, murder in small town X. Just in like 2000, 2001, reality TV was new and there was no franchise. So everything was like a little different than anything else on TV. Yeah. And that that's what I kind of like about Utopia. It's not the greatest show in the world, but it's different. It's just something I haven't seen before, which is why I like it. Yeah, and I think that there are elements of it that are interesting, but I do feel like we've sort of spiraled into a place where the things that I think are interesting are not necessarily the things that are covered on Utopia. Yeah, and that's the thing. I know there's a live feed that people watch. I've never watched that. No, me neither. Yeah, but for me, it just, I mean, I know this is absolutely the <laughs> the worst place to be bringing it up, but I'm kind of tired of the franchise, franchises like Survivor and Big Brother, they're just on all the time, and they are the establishment now. I mean, they're basically the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. They're just what reality TV is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of stick up for Utopia that I, I wish it would have got better ratings. Yeah. Just because it's different, and I, I like different. So that's the thing. It's I don't know if it's packaged that well. I don't know if it's as interesting as I think it is, but it, to me, it's like watching the video game The Sims. You're just sitting home, you're watching The Sims for a while. You don't really have to invest in it. It's just kind of interesting to see what's going to happen. Yeah. So what do you think is the biggest issue? Is it the people that are on the show and the actual conceit of the show is fine? Or is it the people are fine and the show needs fine tuning? Or is it a combination of both? At the start, I didn't think it was that bad. Like everyone said, oh, this is a horrible show. The people are ridiculous. And I didn't think that was that bad. Like, you just want to cast 16 diverse people, throw them out there and see what happens. I didn't think it was a bad product at all. To me, the problem was people just didn't watch it. And mm-hmm. then unfortunately, when that happens, they have to sensationalize it a little. Then they cut down the amount of episodes. So it really can't be as deep a show as they really planned. And that's kind of the, why I say it's in the death spiral now. It's, it can't recover from where it is now. One of the things that I don't like about where it's gone is that I kind of feel like it's become like the love boat where it's like, you know, they can just have like people come come and go as they please. Whereas opposed to in the Big Brother house, you know, people are sort of locked away and it's like, oh, I wonder what people think about this or I wonder what's happening in the world. I wonder if my family's okay. And really, it's just anybody can just come and visit them at any time and they can just have any single like member of their family come and visit or, you know, they get deliveries or like people from the street can just come in and, and visit them once a week. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. Uh, yeah, it's a good point because it was its own little, you know, isolated uh, utopia, for lack of a better word, its own little world. And yeah, they started inviting people in now. So now you have people in there just wandering off the street because they like the show. They're going to hook up with one of the players just because they know it'll make airtime. So it really it ruins some of the reality of the whole situation. Yeah, well, let's talk about Rob's wedding here on, on Utopia. And I really did not like this episode at all. I thought this was the worst episode of Utopia this week because they spent so much time on Rob's wedding. And I feel like while weddings are always popular and always like rating boosters on TV, for me, this was like watching like somebody's home movie. And I don't feel like that the wedding of Rob was earned by Utopia because I feel like, you know, when we're watching like, okay, it's Monica and Chandler's wedding, you know, yeah. these are characters that we've spent a lot of time with and we've invested time with. And, and a wedding is a big deal because we, you know, it's an important event and character that we care about. And through 10 episodes of TV, I don't really care that much about libertarian Rob and his wife that I've met for 
for five minutes. So to spend so much time in the one hour a week that we get to spend with the Utopians on the wedding of Rob, it was like I didn't care the whole time. Yeah, and that's the thing. To me, weddings aren't inherently as interesting. I mean, we've been to weddings before. We know what's going to happen. There's no surprises at a wedding. So to waste half an episode on a wedding, like you said, between a character, A, we don't really care about that much, and B, another character we've never even met before. I mean, right. so, so, I mean, why, why did that, that warrant half of an episode? That's to, again, but it just goes back to the point that on TV, weddings are ratings boosters. Whereas I think the more cynical person like me says, I don't think weddings are inherently interesting. I'd rather see something interesting. Right. You know, weddings, the interest there is that we want to be there for people that we are interested in. But, you know, if it was like Hex was marrying libertarian rob okay well now we're, we're on to something at least we know who this other character is it was just kind of crazy like why is rob getting married he couldn't wait he couldn't wait to get married anymore was it because it was cheap was it a publicity stunt it, it was just like all of a sudden we he barely even spoke about his fiance and then it was just like one day like she was there and then hey let's get married next week yeah no it's tune in for the wedding of the century between libertarian rob and background extra Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really just really weird. And the fact that it cost them $750 to do the wedding and, you know, all season long, the whole thing about Utopia is like every single dollar is so important. We can't, you know, in the beginning, they were fighting over ramen noodles, which are like five cents a pack. And it was like, we can't be spending money on ramen noodles. And then it's like, ah, let's throw a wedding, 750 bucks. What's what the hell? You can't take it with you, right? Exactly. And but nobody, yeah. not one person said, spoke up and said, hey, maybe it's not such a great idea to spend $750 on a wedding. I like to think that in the early episodes, someone might have done that just for conflict reasons, but they, they tend to get along a little too much now. Yeah. Did you like Red? Were you a fan of his? I liked him at first, just because, again, there's not a whole lot of people like him on TV. But That's he got, true. Yeah, I got tired of him very fast. I'm like, you know, you can only secede twice before we stop taking <laughs> it seriously. Yeah. No, he just had a problem with everything. Yeah. And so that was that was too much. Red war wore out on me. Yeah, and I know they were all doing their great red impressions this week. I don't have a red impression, but that's only because I don't have cans here to step on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he had to get mad all the time, but I feel like he would have been pissed off about the wedding. Yeah, but again, I got you get tired of his shtick real fast. There was not there was not a lot of depth to Red's character. No, definitely not. So who do you like from the Utopia cast? Or who's you know interesting? Yeah, well, first off, I was just enamored by the fact that someone was named Polyamorous Dedeker. <laughs> Except what's funny is whenever there's a voice of reason in a scene, it's always Polyamorous Dedeker. So the Polyamorous one is generally the voice of reason among the group, which I find hilarious. Yeah. So Dedeker, she's in this relationship with Mike. And I actually really liked Mike in the beginning, but I think he's come, become increasingly douchey. And I really feel like I called this uh, a little while back when in the episode where some girl came to Utopia and wanted to hook up with Mike. Mm -hmm. And I said, and then he was like, hey, we're, I'm in a polyamorous relationship. And I said, well, this is going to go great until Dedeker is going to meet a guy and then he's going to be a real baby about it. But I was like half joking about it. And and I really couldn't tell in this episode, was Mike joking around at, at first about, about Dedeker with this guy? I don't think he was joking at all. And that's only because I don't believe that guys can handle polyamory or whatever the, the noun of it would be. Yes. <laughs> if I, was it someone in the early episodes that said, well, that's not polyamorous. She's just cheating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he was kidding at all. So yeah, I think it's over and 
as with many things in life, the beekeeper ruined it. The beekeeper ruined it. And the beekeeper seems like a pretty weird guy. Like at first I was like, oh, okay, he seems like a, like a nice guy. But then, then when they started to let the beekeeper talk, like he, he was really weird. Only on Utopia is the beekeeper the most fascinating character. <laughs> he was really weird. And he was like going off about like, he, he was like being cr- critical of the Utopians. I think he was talking to entrepreneur Kristen and he was like, what these people are doing, they don't have a vision. They're not doing anything important. Like what I'm doing with the bees, that I have a vision for that. That's changing things. I'm, that's important work, what I'm doing with the bees. The bees and I, we're going to take over the world. Yeah. And Mike was being like all catty. Like, really? The beekeeper? He lives with his grandma. (laughs) What does she see in that guy? (laughs) Yeah, it's just funny. the, The level of reality here where we're watching a show about people who are living this real world where secondary characters can watch them on TV and then show up and talk about the show on the show, which Mm -hmm. is just the weirdest thing. Yeah, I guess that is pretty weird. the the beekeeper has brought us insight yeah Uh, i mean i would love to go on the show and then uh come tell them about how all the things that they're doing on the show which are hurting the show yeah so the characters well like yeah what if one of the characters cheats on someone else and then some uh utopia fan shows up on be a utopian day and just spills the beans to someone oh he cheated on you so you're you're affecting the show by being a fan yeah, no, it's really it's really weird. I really wish that they would shut down the Utopia experience. And I feel like it was kind of a cheat for them as far as like how they were going to have to raise money. I thought the idea in the beginning was that they were going to have to, you know, really like live off the land and yeah. they were going to have to, you know, what's the point of them having like, you know, oh, we're going to have to sell this cow and, and plant these things if they're just going to say, okay, well, once a week, we'll just have like a flea market and just let people come in and, you know, gawk at us like a freak show for a couple of hours and then that's that's our business yeah i know i do agree that's a bit of a cheat what what i kind of envisioned at the start what would happen is i figured they'd sell advertising you could have like a banner for rob has a podcast right there in the in the barn oh that's what i figured would happen it would be like a an outfield wallet a minor league baseball game you'd have advertisements all over the place but i'm i'm kind of curious in the contract if they weren't allowed to do that yeah i wonder what entrepreneur Kristen was thinking about that (laughs) clearly not that (laughs) You um, should go on the show and tell her. Right, we should write to her. You know, I feel like they go on the internet too because I was on the Utopia subreddit and I feel like um, she, somebody had started a thread at least claiming to be entrepreneur Kristen. So I'm not sure if, you know, you can just reach, if they're just like reading stuff on the internet about them. Like, I mean, they could potentially like be listening to this conversation about them. <laughs> It kind of ruins the point of Utopia when they, they haven't really left the world. They're still in the same world if they're on the internet all the, all the time. Yeah. Mario, but what's been your take on all the different forms of government they've tried to enact in Utopia? Has anything really struck a chord with you? Well, it's, it's hard to judge because if this was a, a daily show, if it was on every night, you could kind of see the timeline of how long the government lasts and how it goes. But because it's edited, we only see it once a week. We don't really get the timeline of how long they're trying these things. So it's kind of, I don't really have an opinion on the governments because I don't think we're getting the full picture on what exactly was done. Yeah. And also the fact like that the government changes like every couple of days, I think it's also very hard to get a good sense of like what's actually working and what's not. We need to have more revolutions like power overthrows and battles and stuff. That would be pretty cool. Like I think so, if they're going to rotate the leadership, like somebody should be the leader for a month. And I know in Utopia, they don't really have that kind of time to be playing with. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it's hard like from episode to episode of okay who's the leader this week yeah yeah that's the thing they, they should just make ernesto the leader at all times because he's tv gold <laughs> you're a fan of ernesto i have to remind myself each week who ernesto is I don't know what they saw in him where Ernesto like walked into a casting office and they were like, Ernesto, you're exactly what we've been looking for. <laughs> you're Latino. You're in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Did they think that that he was going to bring a demographic to the audience? No, I mean, I, I don't get, I don't get it either. He has no dynamic whatsoever. I mean, maybe he does in real life when they talk to him, maybe he's really funny. But on the show, he's the absolute biggest black hole of dead air there is. <laughs> you know, he's really bad. Him and Entrepreneur Kristen, the two of the, t- and, and it's funny because those are the people that got recast to be into the into the show. <laughs> yeah. Like they actually like like saw what the show was and then picked them out and then put them in. And so yeah, Ernesto. Other than this story with his wife, where it's a very sad story, his wife passed away, and he has that. I mean. Uh, I, I don't know what other than the fact that he's a contractor and they thought that maybe they could use another contractor or it was going to make Josh mad to have a second contractor. It was really funny when they called Ernesto to the stand in the trial of Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most Ernesto has talked in the entire time that he's been in Utopia since they put him on the witness stand. Yeah. The sad thing is this was the Ernesto episode. <laughs> I didn't even realize that until you just said it. Yeah. He had airtime the first episode that he came in, but then they really forgot about him ever since that, that first episode. Let's talk about the trial of Aaron. Um, we saw last or a couple of weeks ago, they set up that if somebody does something, then they get more money. And I'm not sure why exactly Josh had more money. Was it because he went on the date with somebody? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I kind of missed the details on that, but I think that was it because they have the to go on a date with Josh job. Yeah, so <laughs> he had more money and he spent his money on, of course, mayonnaise, <laughs> which we all would, of course. <laughs> yes. And so he took a Sharpie and wrote Josh on the mayonnaise. But I guess that Chef Aaron used the mayonnaise to cook. And then did he throw the mayonnaise out or he put it back in the refrigerator empty? I think he he used it all and then threw it away. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, Josh came out and he was very confrontational. Like, I felt like he was like baiting Aaron. Yes. And Aaron is very, has a very quick temper. And he said to him that he was going, he was threatening him. What, what did he say? What was the actual threat he made? He was going to, he was going to uh, punch him. Uh, I just wrote down the quote, people who keep, keep pushing like this, get their ass beat. That's all I yes. wrote. And then Josh was like, is that a threat? And he's like, yes, yes, that's a threat. And then Aaron was trying to like illustrate what you're doing to me. And he's like, you're pushing me, you're pushing me, you're pushing me. But that is one of the clearly stated bylaws of Utopia. No violence, no threats of violence. Yes. Although I feel like if that really was the case, I'm not sure why Red wasn't expelled many episodes ago. Yeah, it's a very open-ended definition of threats of violence. Yeah. And ultimately, this ended up leading to sort of this kangaroo court with mike as judge and so you know if mike is the judge i mean doesn't that sort of make him the leader of no matter what ultimately is happening in utopia yeah i mean that's the thing de facto he is the leader even though they're trying a different government that week yeah but if something important happens mike decides yeah yeah it's really like they have like somebody gets to pick who does what but ultimately mike is in charge yeah it's I just realized the name, Mike Judge. That's the guy that did Idiocracy, which it factors in a lot to Utopia. Yeah. Is that Beavis and Butthead, right? Yeah, same guy. Yeah. 
So Mike ultimately decides that Aaron is guilty. And what did you think of the sentencing of Aaron? I, I believe he had to do one hour of anger management with Amanda. Was that a week or a day? Um, it was, I forget how long the anger management was. I know that it was one hour of tilling in the garden. Okay. And then also he had to be tilling in the garden. So he's doing the work of one chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, didn't, didn't Josh also have to do anger management? So they both had to go to that. I'm not sure if, uh, if Josh had to do anger management. I think he, his probation was more about that. He wasn't allowed to drink alcohol for a year. Okay. I think that was more of his his thing. Now, Amanda, I didn't even know that Amanda had qualifications. I thought she was just like mom to be Amanda. That's all I know of her. What were her qualifications? Well, I'm looking on the Utopia website and she's a behavioral specialist. Oh. So I guess that makes her <laughs> qualified to do anger management. How come Red never had to go to anger management with Amanda? That's a good question. We'll have to, when we go to be a utopian day, we'll have to ask that. Yes. Have you thought about going to the utopia experience on a Sunday? I haven't unless you and I do a field trip together. Okay. Well, that might be be fun. (laughs) That might be a, a, it would be a day to remember. Well, that's the thing. You and I are both in Southern California, so it wouldn't be that far for us. It's only right up the, what, the five or something. Do you know where it is? It's uh, a little north of the grapevine when you're leaving Southern California, if I recall. Okay. All right, so we'll we'll see. We'll put that on the bucket list. Yeah, I could give you directions like in the Californians. That'll go over real well. <laughs> Why don't you get on the five and get off at Utopia? Uh, all right, so... <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> By the way, I just got to say something here. Ernesto. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say something here. You know, we're in the year 2014, which is only a year from 2015, which was the year that they went to in Back to the Future Part 2. Yes. So in the year 1985, do you think in 30 years they w- they predicted that people would be having conversations about two people fighting over mayonnaise on a TV show? <laughs> just compare that to the Back to the Future 2 world we saw. I'm just like the reality of this here. Yeah, uh, that's very, very, very interesting. Because, uh, yeah, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't imagine that we would live in a world where we are not only watching people fight about mayonnaise on TV, but also talking about people fighting about mayonnaise on TV. Exactly. And there's a character named Polyamorous Dedeker. <laughs> yeah. Polyamorous Dedeker looked upset. Um, during the trial? At or the end of the when, episode. At the end of the episode. Dumped. Yeah, well, getting dumped will do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Polyamorous Decker, Dedeker uh, probably isn't used to getting dumped. Well, the, the thing is, like if a woman's polyamorous, she probably has a lot of options. In Utopia, you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. There aren't that many other people. So the polyamory thing isn't really going to come in that handy now. Mm -hmm. I mean, who could Dedeker redate anybody? Is there anybody that she, I mean, could we see her with Josh or musician Chris? Uh, We absolutely could. And then the beekeeper, of course, (laughs) is the key key that unlocks it all. Now, is the beekeeper polyamorous? I don't know. There's so many unanswered questions about the beekeeper. (laughs) Do you want to see more or less about the beekeeper on Utopia? I'd rather see more beekeeper and less Ernesto. (laughs) (laughs) It would be tough to see less Ernesto. Yeah, but again, that's something you pointed out earlier, that the characters that were specifically brought in as replacements are all the boring ones. Well, with the exception of Mr. Cal. Well, Cal hasn't really... I mean, connected with me yet. So uh, let's not say he's not boring 
yet. No, I think that Cal is going to be a, a factor here uh, down the stretch on, on Utopia. I think he's going to really um, want to force some of his ways on the Utopians um, from a little bit of from a little bit of what I read about Cal. Uh, beyond what's going on, not to get into spoiler talk of Utopia, I don't want to spoil anything. But um, Cal is uh, has an agenda in Utopia. But I thought it was really, really crazy what he was talking about with Nikki. Yeah, they were they arranged a date for a year. Yes, but where he was talking about where he, you know, it's all about the polarity, and he's a nine on this on the masculine scale. Did you have that reading on Cal? I would not have given him a nine, but I also didn't think about it that hard. (laughs) (laughs) What would you have given Cal on a scale of one to ten? I would have given him about a six or a seven until he wore the dashing safari hat to the wedding. Yes. And then maybe it goes up to an eight or so. Okay. That's pretty good. It takes balls to wear a safari hat to a wedding. Yes. Um, Is there any chance that Cal's name is actually Kel and Marilyn Mad Dog Hershey was the producer that put him on the show? I don't know, but I'll tell you, both of us would give him a drink of water. (laughs) Yes. Yes. From the filter, even. Yes. From the filter. Yeah. And so he says that he is a nine on the masculine scale and she's Nikki is a nine on the feminine scale. And that's why they're so, you know, drawn to each other, or at least he's that's why he's so drawn to her to her. But the crazy thing for me is that Nikki is like, okay, I guess this makes sense. It's like he convinced her. I guess that's a nine on the pickup scale. Yeah. That line, that's a good line. Yeah. I mean, I think that most men at this point in the courtship where she's like laughing at him and being like, what? What? what are, you, are you serious? And he just continues to say like, oh, yes. I, I mean, I'm completely serious. Like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't we be dating? I mean, obviously, I'm a nine on the masculinity scale and you're a nine on feminine scale. So, I mean, it's, it's polarity that we should be together. I guess they left out the part where you mentioned that there's also no other single guys there but him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird couple, I feel like. Uh, what, what do you think of Dr. Nikki? Have you gotten a good read on her? Dr. Nikki is another one of those kind of invisibles. You think she'd be a bigger presence in the episode than she actually is. Yeah. But like, try to name one or two things she's done this season, and she really doesn't do anything. She's just kind of bouncing around off behind the other characters. Yeah, she was sort of the brainchild behind uh, Utopia Yoga. Yes, which worked out smashingly. <laughs> and yeah, she really didn't have a lot else uh, going on here uh, so far this season. I mean, very few of the characters have had anything going on. I mean, it's, it really was a lot of red. It was like most of it was, you know, red fighting with people, Rob fighting with people. Um, often they were fighting with Hex, those two. Um, and Josh and Bella stuff. And really, uh-huh. a lot of the other characters have just been sort of like, not entities. I mean, that's the thing. Thank God for Bella. That's all you can say from a TV point of view. Like, Bella is inherently interesting, even if you think she's nuts, which she is. But, like, every scene with her, at least you'll watch. You remember her. Yeah. I think she's sweet, even though she's insane. Yeah, that's the thing. She's one of those... She's really cute, and she's smart, but she can't get guys, and she's completely single. So you know she's got to be completely nuts, even though she's sweet. <laughs> Well, were you surprised that she turned down contractor Josh's advances? Um, the only I wasn't surprised until I thought about it. I bet that happens a lot and we just don't see it. Ooh. I mean, uh, I think I think he's probably coming on to her all the time whenever he's a little tipsy. That's just a prediction. So I thought he wasn't allowed to drink alcohol as part of his probation. Maybe it doesn't apply to Red's homemade alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> it's yeah, they are very uh, loose with some of the rules I've noticing this season. Yeah, uh, and I think that was a, a utopia enforced thing, not so much by the production, but by the actual people. So if you know they made a special exemption for Rob's wedding, I guess that would be that would be okay. Um, what do you think that? Rob's fiance Jess. Uh, how do you think her family felt about uh, their daughter being married uh, to Libertarian Rob on Utopia? Wait a minute. Let me let's get this straight. They were already married, right? Or was this their original, their their actual wedding? I'm pretty sure that they were engaged. I think this was their actual wedding. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought they got remarried, which is even lamer. <laughs> they renewed their <laughs> vows in Utopia. I thought, wow, that's a whole episode. Thank you. I would put my foot down if I was a Utopian for seven hundred fifty dollars for Rob and his fiance Jess to renew their vows. Yeah. What do I think the bride's parents thought about her marrying tiny little Rob on a reality show? I'm guessing they probably weren't happy, but I mean, I'm sure they're aware of the situation, so they probably weren't all that surprised. I mean. Rob's signed up for a reality show where he goes away for a year voluntarily. I mean, <laughs> it's like you're not going to get the the model uh, son-in-law at this point, probably. Yeah, I, I could see it going two ways where I feel like that there's probably some people that feel like, boy, the libertarian Rob, he's got a lot going on. He's on Utopia. Look at him. He's really he's really making a way in the world. And yeah. then I feel like that there are a lot of people that would say, Boy, uh, my daughter is dating this guy that uh, he is, you, you know, he's living on this on this in this combine that's on a on a reality show. What the hell is this? So it really could go be seen either way. Yeah. And also he's four and a half feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, and he's a you know, his name is Libertarian Rob. <laughs> that's his official christian name at this point yes and he's also known as the gun guy on utopia <laughs> yeah. so uh, i'm not so sure about um how i would feel about that if this was my daughter marrying libertarian rob on utopia i mean if she'd aimed a little higher she could have had beekeeper jake is that a short joke no well it could be it's a double joke <laughs> there you go <laughs> poor uh poor jess uh libertarian jess does she take his name is that what, uh, how this works in this day and age i don't think the woman has to take the man's name <laughs> she, she might she could stay as background extra jess she doesn't have to take his modifier <laughs> yeah she doesn't have to take that okay uh so were you excited to see the return of pastor jonathan to say the the vows I was I was mildly uh, excited about it. That's about as high as we're going to go for. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have been more excited to see ex-convict Dave return? <laughs> you know, that's the sad thing. Not really. I really wouldn't have been that excited to see any of the characters come back. <laughs> I want to see a new character, maybe uh, even quieter contractor, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think Ernesto will get a lot of contracting business after this is over? Yeah. Oh, I think I'm sure it's rolling in right now. <laughs> Probably. Hey, with the, yeah, the ratings from Utopia, the ad revenue. Oh, he must be living the high life right now. Yeah. Well, his catchphrase was that they asked him about they wanted to set up the personal ad for him, and he said that he's the contractor and he can lay the pipe. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to see that on T-shirts like "Eat My Shorts" with Bart Simpson and stuff. The catchphrase yes. will sweep the nation. Ernesto will lay the pipe for you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I hope he has a Facebook page, and I hope that's his main status. Right now. <laughs> I will lay the pipe for you. 
Yeah. So Pastor Jonathan uh, returned uh, this week and, you know, everybody was, was very excited and they really like build these things up in the act breaks. And like, and when, when we come back, somebody very special is coming back to Utopia. And I, it really sort of uh, irks me with the way that they like tease things in the episode. Like we're actually going to be really excited about this. Yeah. I love how they tease it. And then when you come back from commercial, they'll recap the teaser. Like they recap what we just saw. Like, you know, we were only gone for like four minutes. We're not, this isn't memento here. I understand what just happened. Yeah. Also, they did a big montage in the beginning of the episode about how it's been 50 days in Utopia. And it seems very self-congratulatory about the first 50 days of the Utopians. I felt like it was a lot of revisionist history of that. The Utopia experiment has been an unparalleled success. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things they build themselves up as being a much bigger success than it's really been. And, and, and I mean, I would do that too if I were on the show because you want people, you don't want people to realize the show's kind of struggling. But yeah, it's just so silly to think that it's this grand success and they've had no problems and like everyone's best friends now. And you know, it's not like that in real life. You know, they all probably just want to smack Bella every 10 minutes. You know, it's, I'm sure it's not a utopia yet and it's not going to be anytime soon. This was an actual line from the montage where the narrator said, Born from chaos, utopia. <laughs> like it's like the it, there was like a big bang that happened in the in the early on in utopia, and then uh, from that from that conflict that started it, it's really just the inertia has just caused it to grow and prosper. Yeah, I don't know if I want to get into the whole big bang versus religion theory here on Rob has a podcast. <laughs> so let's try to steer away from this. I don't want to anger some of the fundamentalists. Yeah. And yes, stuff. yes. It would be if Pastor Jonathan and Libertarian Rob were listening, it would be uh, quite, quite a debate. Yes, exactly. But polyamorous Dedeker would be on our side, I'm pretty sure. She would probably be on our side. Um, what about Taylor and Hex? Uh, are you a fan of this relationship? Is this like the, the new Ross and Rachel for you? Well, I like Hex. Hex is probably my favorite character. Hex and Dedeker are my two favorites. And only because they're kind of sharp. Like, again, they're kind of voices of reason most of the time. And they're pretty smart, some of their insights. But I, I was always very turned off by when Taylor showed up, how, how fast Hex not only pounced on him, but said, well, this is going to be my relationship. And so it's like, and I know that's human nature. I know that's how people are. But it just was so... I hate to say desperate, but it was just so calculated that I can't really see that as a romance. It was... She saw a guy, she needed a boyfriend. This guy's my boyfriend now. So it's just, it was very calculated. I've never really bought into that as being any sort of real relationship. Hmm. So what do you think is ultimately going to happen with Taylor and Hex? Will they make it to the end of Utopia? The end of Utopia is probably next week. So I would <laughs> say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Congratulations, Hex and Taylor. They made it to the end. Yes. <laughs> Mario, what's your take on the Utopia theme song? I love the theme song. It's, <laughs> it's big and grand and just cheesy enough that it, it's absolutely perfect for a show like this. Yeah, it really is perfect. And I think we are in an era of TV where the theme songs are getting fewer and far between. And Utopia has been a nice throwback. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's Reality TV shouldn't take itself too seriously. It should be fun and cheesy and just over the top and goofy. And I know... The early Survivor seasons were fantastic at that. Like, they're so goofy in some ways. And I love that, again, the Utopia, it's just right out of, what it like, I'm not sure to even call it an 80s song or a 90s song. It's kind of right in the middle there of goofiness. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's really great and it brings a smile to my face. And uh, that's probably the best that you could say about any TV theme song. 
Really, I mean, that's about it. I mean, so many other, like you said, so many other shows have dropped the theme song. Here you have one that's, if not iconic, I think anything, calling anything from Utopia iconic would be a stretch. But it is something people will remember in 10 years. They'll say, hey, remember that song? That was kind of a catchy song. That was kind of a cool little show. Yeah. Uh, we played earlier in the season the big, original Big Brother theme song. Do you remember that one? I've, I've never even seen one episode of Big Brother in my life. You've never even just been curious to look at it? Never. Why? Uh, well, we're going to get into my Survivor snobbery because I'm so dedicated to Survivor, I cannot accept that Big Brother is even in its same universe. Really? Yeah, that's, it's absolutely the truth. I'm, such, I'm so dedicated to Survivor and Survivor history, I will not even acknowledge that Big Brother exists. So why will you look at Utopia? Because it's not a competitor to it. Utopia is just some goofy little show that was different, and now I'm just watching the death spiral because I'm fascinated to see how it's going to go down in flames. Will you look at The Amazing Race? I like it, but again, I don't consider that a competitor to Survivor either. The, the Amazing Race, I kind of look at as travel porn. <laughs> like, okay, well, I want, these are all the places I want to go in my life someday. So it's kind of cool in that sense, but I don't consider that to be an equal to Survivor either. Okay, I might have to borrow that term, uh, travel porn of the amazing race. Yeah. I didn't make that that term. That's something I stole from the internet. <laughs> okay, then, okay, then I will uh, attribute uh, the internet through Mario. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, uh, what is it, Michael Scott? Uh, you you uh, miss 100% of the shots you don't take by uh, Wayne Gretzky and then underneath it by Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of travel porn, uh, let's talk about Rob's bachelor party because things got pretty crazy. Uh, it was, the theme was uh, uh, tribal hedonism. Yes, which was the exact theme of my bachelor party. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, tribal hedonism. Who knew it was so popular? Yeah, and <laughs> things got weird really quick. That was a quote from the bachelor party. Yes, although it didn't get that weird. I mean, if you like, I was expecting stuff like Kava to come out that they had on Survivor Vanuatu. Yeah, and sure. Chad, and Chad got messed up, but there was no Kava, so it wasn't that hedonistic. And you know, they could have got Kava since they're on the internet. Yeah. No, I know you're not a drinker, Mario, but would you, if you had to drink one, would you drink kava or hillbilly wine? <laughs> hillbilly wine is probably really strong. So I'm not sure I could handle that. I've never had alcohol in my life. So I, I would absolutely get de devastated the first time I touched it. But kava is actually not really an alcohol. It's more like a hallucinogenic I read somewhere. Wow. So you think it's, you think in that scene in Vanuatu, Chad is just getting drunk, but I know he's tripping. That's the problem. <laughs> so. I would probably try the kava first just because it would be something different. All right. And if you had to, if there was a gun to your head, would you rather drink alcohol or watch Big Brother? You're hitting me right where it hurts here. <laughs> I, I will drink alcohol before I watch Big Brother. I <laughs> right. hate to say that. Yeah, I know. All right. Wow. Wow. That's, you are a man of your principles. I am. I'm, a, I'm such a survivor snob. I'm kind of a dick about it sometimes, but that's, that's something I don't bend on. Did you understand what was going on with the archery contest that happened before the wedding? <laughs> um, other than that's the one thing that Hex can do. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know why it was there. Why are we shooting for wedding roles? What are, yeah, what guess, were the stakes? Like, if you won, you got to walk somebody down the aisle. Was that how it worked? Yeah, that was it. You got to walk, I think, the parent or the mom down the aisle or something like that. I don't know. Let's just say it made the wedding more interesting than 99% of all other weddings ever because <laughs> it had an archery competition in the middle. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. When Red went out and killed a deer, 
Like it was like, okay, that this makes sense of why they need the archery equipment. But since that, at that point, has anybody hunt an animal with the archery equipment or is it just for show now? It's just for show. Like you said, they were supposed to live off the land, find their own food, but then they discover they can get money from the internet. So they don't really have to do that anymore. People will always revert to less effort to get by. Yeah. That's really how it works. Oh man. This is supposed to be utopia. It's not utopia. <laughs> Let's see. What if we if we broke the whole thing down and we started, we got in that said time machine that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And we went back to, you know, the pitch meetings and everything. And you were in charge of this, Mario. How would you have changed Utopia from the get-go? I really wouldn't have changed that much from the start, other than they don't have a lot of younger people. I mean, Bria was pretty much the only young person on there, and she's worthless. Mm -hmm. So you probably would want to do a little younger skewing just to get the demographic of younger viewers in there, because that's kind of the backbone of reality TV is the younger people. Mm -hmm. So that's the only change I really would have made. Because I don't think, again, I don't think it was packaged that poorly. I just, for some reason, it just didn't really connect with people. And I, and I think, again, I kind of blame the big brothers and survivors and other shows of the world that there's no strategy in this season. And I think the audience for shows like this really likes strategy and games nowadays. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with utopia. What I like about it is probably what other people don't like about it is that there's no strategy. There's no point to it. No one's going to win. Yeah. No one's going to win. Yeah. I think the name could you use a little work. I think utopia was not that exciting of a name. Well, then the Utopia theme song wouldn't make sense. <laughs> I guess not. I guess not. But they they needed to like like call this something like like isolated or something like that. Like uh, I think they needed like to pack a little more punch in the name. It yeah, was kind of a would, soft name. Yeah, that would have implied more danger, which I like that isolation or something like that. And then on top of that, you know, I was like driving around. And I saw like billboards that was like it was like no rules, no no government, no plumbing. Um, and I feel like the no plumbing wasn't a huge selling point for people. Like I, I can't see somebody like driving past like, like, Oh man, they're not going to have plumbing. I got to check this out. Well, yeah, I could watch Russell Hans's reality TV show if I wanted to see no plumbing. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like they needed to, you know, figure out like a, a different way to, to market it. I feel like the, it was confusing to people what this was. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things you, because it's different, you don't know what's going to draw people in. And yeah, the no plumbing thing, they're kind of going goofy. They're kind of going to Gilligan's Island with it, which maybe not the way I would have done. But again, it's all hindsight at this point. I know they invested a lot of money into this show. Yeah. I mean, they basically guaranteed Fox it would be on for a year, which is never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So someone's going to take a huge wash on this one and lose a lot of money. So, I mean, you only had one chance to pull off a show like this. It's never going to happen again. It's just, it's just kind of a shame, I think, that it just didn't work out. Do you think there could ever be anything like this on again, whether it's cable or network? I doubt it. You only get one chance. I mean, this is a show that would have flourished more much. It would have had a much better chance to flourish back in like the early days of reality TV when every show was reality on every channel. Mm -hmm. So now I think it's a little, it's, they've, they're, you shut the barn doors after the cow has already left. I forget the phrase, but it's a little past the prime for a show like this. So I don't think anything like this would ever happen again. At yeah. least not with this current audience, like maybe in 15 years when it's a new generation of TV people. Yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a concept and a structure for it to ultimately work, because then I think it's sort of like it doesn't have a audience to appeal to. Like if they were, you know, 
like the bachelor in paradise which was just on which i i didn't watch but from what i understand it was like a paradise hotel where it was like you know there are people are couples and then new people come in and then they're trying to date and they hook up and then it's like okay it's a dating show or if like people were getting voted out all the time and there was like a strategy element you say okay it's like it's that kind of show but this really doesn't have a genre of what this is it has nothing. Again, it's just like the video game The Sims, if people play that. It's like going home, turning on your computer, just watching what your Sims do for a while. It's just <laughs> like watching a fish tank. And again, there's no point to it. And I do think there would have been an audience for it many years ago, 10, 12, 13 years ago. It's just, I just don't think now people want a point to their reality shows. They want it to game, a competition, anything. And there's just nothing like that on this. Okay. So if we were going to forecast... If anybody is going to uh, do anything after Utopia, do you think that anybody from the show is going to be be able to parlay their time in Utopia into anything? Well, besides Ernesto, of course. Besides Ernesto. Yeah, the pipe layer. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I think when the show ends, the, people, the, the characters that people will remember are, are probably someone like Bella, just because, again, she stands out. Yeah. I don't know if that necessarily is going to translate to her doing anything, but... They'll remember, hey, remember that show with that crazy blonde lady? Remember Bella? So that's, to the extent that you'll be remembered, I think that'll parlay into something, but I, don't, I can't see anything, anybody really making anything off this. What's your take on Amanda having a baby in Utopia? I say she better beat the clock, because I think they, it's <laughs> very exciting if the show's still on in a month and a half. <laughs> but, uh, let's just say it is. Do you have any problem with, with um, Amanda having a baby in Utopia? I don't at all. From a TV point of view, that's an episode I think that would be interesting. I mean, we haven't never seen that on a TV show before. So just from a TV perspective, I like the show to stick around for another month and a half because I'd like to see what happens. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it personally because, I mean, what do I care what she does? It's not my life. Okay. I feel like it's a little reckless to have a baby in Utopia, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. she's not my girlfriend or anything, so I don't care. Yeah. Whatever makes me better TV for me, that's all I care about. Yeah. Her relationship status is kind of unknown also. Like I feel like she was they asked her about that one time and she was very coy about what the uh, you know, what the who her, or like what's what else is going on in her life. Yeah, and I do remember there was some mystery about that. It's we don't know, so we can't really comment on that. One of the biggest unsolved mysteries of Utopia right now. It's really, it's, it's the question that's going to haunt people for years. Okay. If there's one prediction that you think that what will happen to Utopia in two weeks, what do you think is going to be the shocking revelation? Oh, wow. I haven't really thought about this. What will be, let's see, they said it will change the game around. I'm almost wondering if they, if it'll be, become more of a competition where they have to start voting people out or they're going to try to amp up the competition level of it. Yeah. That's I, what I suspect. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see ultimately what's going to happen. It's it's weird, though, because it seemed like they were like reacting to the news already. And it's like two weeks from now. So I feel like it's going to really screw up whatever is like if you were following this on the live feeds at all. Like yeah. it's day 52. When they come back, it'll be like day 70. Yeah. who I don't know anybody who's really watching the live feeds, but I'd be curious to know how how what the timeline is and what the difference is, because they've got to be way ahead in real life from what we see on TV. Yeah, well, that's how they're able to get all the best stuff. Oh, okay. They, yeah, it's it's just weird that that yeah, because they're this is a show that really should be on a couple times a week to make sense. It doesn't make sense that there's two weeks between episodes. Yeah, so it's a little crazy. Uh, Mario, I know you're a big baseball fan. Do you have a horse in the race right now? 
I love the Kansas City Royals, if only because they're never relevant. And they used to be when I was a kid. The 85 Royals were a big deal, George Brett and all them. So I got to root for the Royals just because they're never there. You got to root for the team that's never in the playoffs. It's exciting. Yeah, because it gives hope to that your team could get there. Exactly. As a Mariners <laughs> fan, that's all I can grasp these days. Yes. I was going to say, I should point out that everybody in my family is a Giants fan. So don't make sure none of them listen to this podcast. San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Giants. All of my relatives, my wife is from the Bay Area. Her parents are from San Jose. They're all huge Giants fans. So I'm not allowed to mention that I'm a Royals fan right now. On the Survivor Historians, you guys are up to Survivor Palau at this point? Yes, we started, what, about four years ago. We've gone through the first 10 seasons. We've uh, we recorded our first podcast on Palau, which is like the first five episodes, I think, first five or six episodes. And then next week, we're going to record the second part. So we're midway through Palau. It's a kind of an interesting point in Survivor history. It's where I would say, I think many people would probably say this is kind of when Survivor stops being old school and kind of morphs into a little more modern show. It's right around Palau. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any parallels you can make between Survivor Palau and Utopia? Um, let's see. There was 16 episodes of Survivor Palau and Survivor <laughs> Utopia will last about 16 episodes. So that's, that's the only parallel I can draw. <laughs> what, what about, does anybody from Utopia remind you of anybody from Survivor Palau? Well, the obvious one, Red, who isn't here anymore, reminds me a lot of James Miller. Yeah. Redneck I mean, James. Yeah, that's the obvious one. Redneck, Redneck uh, Red and Redneck James. Perfect. Well, Hell it's yeah. hillbilly, hillbilly Red. I'm sorry. Yeah, redneck's an, off- an offensive term. I'm sorry I used that. <laughs> hillbilly is much better. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like James was a, a little more of a in, a, in a better mood than Red. Yeah, he never tried to secede. I mean, well... He was the one that was trying to push for democracy. So he's really the opposite of Red. You remember Palau? That <laughs> yes. We're going to do democracy. So he was really the opposite of Red. So I guess the comparison does not hold water. Yes. Uh, so is there anybody from Utopia that you think would do well on Survivor? Um, the people with actual skills like Hex. I mean, if you're a huntress, you probably have some skills in living outdoors or at least surviving. So Hex would probably do okay. Someone like Dedeker, who, again, I make fun of her all the time, but she's really level-headed and she never really loses her cool. Someone yeah. like that, I think, would always do well on Survivor just because they don't, they're not, they're not, uh, they don't have a temper. They don't lose their cool much. They're kind of level-headed. So she'd do fine. I don't know. What about you? You're the Survivor guy. Okay. You know way more than I do. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that that's uh, the case at all. But um, I, I'll go through the, the, the cast real quick. Ernesto, uh, he'd be kind of like a, uh, or he'd be an, uh, probably, I want to say he'd be, either he would be somebody who would be like, come in like fifth place. He'd be, just be like a guy, like a, like a rancher Rick that would just never talk in the Alliance or he'd be like an early boot. Uh-huh. Uh, Aaron would, he's probably, he's has too much of a temper. He'd be like a pre-merge boot. Bella is like a, a classic, like first boot person, like, um, you know, somebody who is, um, you know, like a, um, a Wanda or somebody who's just like kind of like uh, too wacky and, and outspoken in the first episode, like a Peter Harkey, and then uh, gets sort of like the crazy person edit. Brie, I think, is also um, one of these like young people that like uh, she gets voted off pretty early on and, and wants to quit. Oh, and the but the audience for the fan base for her on Survivor sucks would be huge <laughs> just because she's young and cute. Oh, we love Brie. What a great player. Yeah. Cal, hard to get a good read on. I don't know if there's a survivor like him. 
Uh, just Kel. Yeah. <laughs> we already talked about that. <laughs> Musician Chris, he seems like kind of like a douchey, like pre-merge guy. Uh-huh. Uh, Dedeker, I do think she could do well. I think that she is um, somebody who could be like in, in the mix and uh, be like a, you know, final five, final six type person. Um, now, is Amanda pregnant in this corollary? Um, we'll just say yes. Okay. So, so she won't do well. Well, the fact that when they tried to talk about like, we should only eat twice a day and she was like, that's not my utopia. Um, so I, I would have to say that she would probably not fare well on Survivor. All right, that's fair. Hex, I think, could do well. She seems like she's like uh, really athletic. If they ever had like an archery challenge, I think she'd do really well. Uh, Josh is interesting. You wouldn't imagine that he's not going to get drunk in <laughs> on Survivor, so I feel like he'd you know he'd be in the mix. Kristen, I don't even know anything about Kristen other than she's <laughs> an entrepreneur. Uh, Mike, oh, I think would be all right on Survivor. Uh, Again, Nikki, I mean, she'd be somebody who like was athletic enough, but you know, she doesn't, she'd be like really bad at the game. She'd almost be like kind of like a Shauna, you know, she'd be somebody who like when it came time to actually like making an alliance, like she wouldn't like want to lie to anybody or anything like that. Well, Shauna also had a nine on the feminine scale. So that's good. That's good comparison. <laughs> yes. I mean, she has like the Shauna hair already. And that's why I went in that direction. But I feel like um, she wouldn't be very like strategic. Uh, libertarian Rob, he would be a pre-merge person because he'd be fighting with everybody too much. Mm-hmm. And Taylor, he's kind of a douchey guy, but I think he could probably be like, you know, first person voted out of the merge <laughs> type guy. Now, what about beekeeper Jake? Left him out. <laughs> <laughs> well beekeeper jake he's not like overly uh threatening he's not like doesn't seem like a like a super like strong person so i think that he's a, he'd be in the mix i feel like beekeeper jake would have some skills that would help on survivor with the asterisk being only if they found bees <laughs> <laughs> yeah not a lot of bees on survivor i'm trying to think if there's ever <laughs> been any uh bee incidents yeah, I'm sure Beekeeper Jake could hunt them down. He would track them. He would track them down and, and he could find honey, which would be very valuable on Survivor. Exactly. So again, his superpower is like Aquaman. It's dependent on one specific situation. Yeah. If there were bees, he would be fantastic. Yeah. What about the opposite? Is there anybody from Survivor that you would really want to see on Utopia? Oh, wow. So many seasons of Survivor running, running through my head here. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who's just an interesting person in general. I'm not going to say someone obvious like Rupert, who's interesting, but we've seen enough of him. Yeah. I've had enough Rupert. Uh, Trying to think of Survivor, someone who's fascinating, who I would like to see on Utopia. I'm going to pull someone right out of my butt here that no one would ever pick. And this is someone I've said is one of the more interesting people in Survivor history. And that's Dreams from Fiji. Oh. (laughs) He's just an interesting guy. I mean, his thought process is different than other people's. If you watch Fiji again, it doesn't really... He's sharp. He knows what he's doing, but the strategy doesn't always, it's not sound, but you can kind of see his thinking a lot of stuff. And I just like the way Dreams, he's, his th- thinking is different than most players on Survivor. So I would like to see him in a situation like Utopia. Interesting. Uh, is there anybody that you'd want to match Dreams up with in Utopia? <laughs> um, Bella seems pretty single at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> would lawyer Mike be able to uh, get these two, uh, get Yao Man and Dreams together and sort of be the arbiter over who should get the car? Uh, yeah, well, that'd be good. We could have Yao, Yao Man would be fantastic on the show. He'd be coming up with all sorts of inventions. He would be very good on Utopia. That would be good casting to have uh, Yao Man. What would he be, scientist Yao Man? Scientist Yao Man or uh, table tennis champion Yao Man? <laughs> 
Yeah. No, because he would be good with the ping pong also, because that that would be good. That you know you wouldn't be bored because you could play ping pong with Yao Man. Yeah, he'd be breast enthusiast Yao Man. Breast enthusiast Yao Man. <laughs> yeah. So maybe uh, him and Hex would have a natural friendship. She's so much bigger than him, though. It'd be a weird couple. Yeah. Uh, so speaking <laughs> of of uh, breast enthusiasm, uh, what did you think of the topless maid that they brought in a couple of weeks ago as a candidate to replace Red? If that isn't a TV friendly character, I don't know what is. Oh, we're going to bring in this hot blonde who likes to walk around topless. Yeah. And what I love is the people on Utopia. Again, they have power to pick who they want on their show, and they don't want her because she's nuts or she's annoying. Yeah. So. I love the fact that the producers tried to spice up the show, but they made the mistake of letting the players choose. And the players, of course, chose the more sane and and uh, uh, useful one. Yeah. So it was funny, the whole little thing. But the thing that always cracks me up is that Josh, it was Josh that hooked up with her, right? Josh wanted to hook up with her, but I think that she left before they got anything going. They at least got to a couple bases. I'm not <laughs> sure how far they got. But yeah. I love Josh's instinct that this girl's cute and she's not going to be around here long. So I better hook up with her quickly. Yeah. We got to move in on that soon. Well, yeah. And then there's no, you don't have to call her the next day or anything because she's gone. Yeah. So he knew. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, going back to the utopians that would be good on Survivor, there's one we are not thinking of who actually I think would be very good. Uh, Pas- Pastor Jonathan. Pastor Jonathan. He is universally respected, which is, as you yourself would know, gets people far on Survivor. People just like you. Yes. Um, now, being a pastor does not necessarily mean you that you will go far on, on Survivor. Like, uh, what about Pastor John? It doesn't necessarily mean you're universally respected either. <laughs> but it's funny you're going Thailand because the character I would compare Pastor Jonathan the most to would be like Jake. Ooh. Jake is just a guy. Everyone kind of liked Jake. Yeah. He might not have been the greatest strategist. He didn't. He wasn't going to win, but people liked him. It was hard to vote him out. And that's how I see, would see Pastor Jonathan on a show like that. But do you think, like, let's say Pastor Jonathan, instead of going on Utopia, he went on Survivor and he came in and he had the same sort of like, hey, you know, my goal is here is not to win the million dollars, but I want to be, you know, a missionary of the Lord and I'm here to spread the gospel and I want to baptize people. Do you think, would that be effective on Survivor or would that, at, at the first point that he did anything strategic, then people would want to take him out immediately? I think if you're talking the first season or the second season or maybe even Africa, that would have gone over fantastically because people just kind of like, I mean, you respect a guy like that. You know what he stands for. But in this more strategic game uh, era of Survivor, he would have been laughed at. <laughs> so it really depends on what era of Survivor he's playing. And you throw him on Borneo, I think he might have actually done pretty well. So you think the other players would laugh at him and vote him out? Well, they wouldn't take him seriously. They're not going to talk to him about alliances. And that's the thing in Survivor now where they're making alliances two minutes into the game mm-hmm. and they're shifting probably by the end of the first day, who's got the power alliance. So they're not even going to talk to him about alliances because they know he's worthless. <laughs> so that's, that's how I would look at it. Okay. Uh, poor, poor pastor, Jonathan. <laughs> but again, on Thailand, he's the Jake. He's going to get to the final, what final five or six. And then he's, he's the last soup Jai standing. Oh man. Um, one last thing. What do you think about the host of utopia? <laughs> I was hoping you were going to ask me about the host. What is his name, by the way? I just know him as the mustache guy. You know, I'm not sure of his actual name. I know he's an actual, he's a real person. And he, I think he's like a graphic artist or, or something like that, that he got hired for this job. But I don't know his name off the top of my head. He's not a 1920s railroad villain. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I read somewhere online, they said he looked like an art thief, which I love that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, they like to go with this theme of that he seems like he is like from the the era or whatever they're trying to build in Utopia. Yeah, I don't. It's this. It's the elephant in the room every week. Why don't they mention that the host has this ridiculous mustache? Oh, well. Um, who says it's ridiculous? Uh, not me. That's that's what it's the word on the street. That's what I hear. Where do you get off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a, a fan of the handlebar mustache these days I, i'm really not a big uh hipster mustache guy <laughs> yeah you don't strike me as the type no no it's a little you know the i'm gonna make this mustache because it's uh ironic um i feel like it's a little, a little trying too hard so you, would you say that also applies to the host since we're slinging mud <laughs> is the host trying too hard I don't know. You're the one who just said he was. I think Let's he, turn the tables on you, Cespedes. I think he's trying too hard with the mustache. Yeah. It's like nobody weird. can like look in the mirror like, I look good with this mustache. Every time they cut to him, you laugh. That's the thing. <laughs> and I hate to say that because it's mean and I don't mean to sound he looks ridiculous, but he looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He's like the Monopoly man. He's exactly like the Monopoly man. Every time we have this compelling narrative about utopian life, then they cut to this, again, 1920s railroad villain. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what is next for the Utopians and for the host of Utopia. And we'll be watching it every step of the way. We're fascinated. We're there. It's again, it's like you got to watch. It's like a plane crash. You have to see it at this point. Okay. Well, we can't wait to see how it turns out. Uh, For more Mario, check out the Survivor Historians. People love the Survivor Historians. I always hear from people uh, how how much fun it is. Uh, Check out at funny115.com slash podcast. That's correct. And it's, uh, I can't guarantee we have the listener numbers of Rob has a podcast, but it is a fun show. And it's, it's really a show that's meant for people who picked up Survivor later. They didn't really watch the first season. They kind of only know about the, the past season by rewatching them later in the future. So it's really meant to usher you what it was like through what it was like to be a Survivor fan as Survivor was developing. I, I, those are the fans I hear from the most that really appreciate it. They're like, I really gained a lot of insight on how Survivor developed by listening to this show. So if you're one of those fans, and I know there's a lot of Survivor fans out there that picked it up later in the game, this is the perfect podcast for you. By the way, I also, I know you recently spoke with not the person that recorded this song, but actually the winner of Survivor Vanuatu, uh, Chris Daughtry. How do you pronounce, what's the right pronunciation of, of the two Chris's? It's Chris Doherty is the one on Survivor, or Doherty. Doherty or Doherty? Doherty. And then this is Daughtry. Yeah, it's not Daughtry. Okay. So uh, how was that to talk to Chris? Chris and I have been friends for a long time, and I've talked to him before, but I never really did a formal interview. So like, I've written about stuff on on Historians. I've talked about it, and on The Funny 115, I've talked about stuff that Chris has told me about Survivor and about Vanuatu, but I'd never really formally sat down and kind of answered asked him questions where he could answer them. So it was kind of a first for me doing an interview. And I think it turned out really well. And again, if you want to hear it, just go to our historians website or our, uh, our feed on iTunes. You can hear the Chris interview. I think it's pretty funny. All right. Well, Mario, thank you so much for coming on with us to talk about utopia. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, from outside of the walls of utopia, this has been Rob as a podcast and, uh, we'll see you next time. We're making a brand new start. I'm going to make this my ringtone. That's awesome. <laughs>